Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, I'm going to jump into the second part of this series. It's actually going to be the last part of the series. Um, but before we do that, there's power in words. How many found out about that? There is power in words. So why don't we stand up for a moment? Let's, let's, let's make some declarations of faith. Amen. Say this to me. Thank God for our salvation. I'm saved. I'm filled. I'm living holy. I'm living holy. I'm living holy. The strength of God is in me. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This night, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions will be impacted by the things that I hear. I'll not only hear them, but I will do them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. We're talking about power on demand. I like knowing that we have stuff on demand. I like knowing that there's stuff there when you need it. Many of you know that my dad passed away just a few months ago. When we got there, if you went in his garage, they had about 15 cans of coffee about 20 gallons of oil, I don't know, and, and he's living by himself in the house. Open up the freezer, 10 pounds of veal cutlets, containers of sauce that he's made. Dad, what are you going to do? Well, if I need, it's there. What is it? It's power on demand. Anybody that went to the house didn't have to worry about going to the supermarket. All he had to do was go in the garage, go in the refrigerator, go in the freezer. Everything's there. At your fingertips. And that's where we, we fail to realize that God is the same way with us. That his power, his presence, his spirit is there with us, in us, waiting for us to tap into it. Amen. Now, it doesn't come automatic. You got to tap into it. Got one amen. I said, it doesn't come automatic. You got to tap into it. Amen. And we just did. Amen. We tapped into it. The power of God is released through words. Our faith is released through words. Our faith is also hindered by words. Now, if we'll understand how that works, then we'll tap into everything that God has in store for us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Let's jump right in. This is the main scripture for this two-part series that we started last week. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. Okay? Here's the good part. He gives power to the who? To the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Now, now this, this always gets me, because that statement doesn't make sense. For those who have no might, if I have no might, I have no might. But it says, but he, to those who have no might, he increases strength. That means that that strength that he increases, has got to come from nowhere. Amen. Did you get it? Yes. 
So when you, even when you feel like you're depleted, even when you feel like you're spent, even when you feel like it's like, man, I can't take one more step, that's when we start tapping into that strength because at that point, when you're completely, totally reliant on God, guess what? Just like he makes a stream in the wilderness, he'll bring strength out of nowhere. Amen? Amen? Next verse. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Oh, here it comes, though. But those who do what? Those who what? Wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, who's going to experience the renewed strength? Who's going to experience mounting up with wings like eagles? Who's going to experience running and not being weary and walking and not fainting? Those who what? How many, were you, how many of you here last Wednesday? Those who what? Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Not hanging around, groaning and complaining. Those who Wait. take that posture of, of, of waiting, that posture of, Lord, what do you need me to do while I'm waiting for what I'm waiting for? Those that Wait. upon who? Lord. What's going to happen? They're going to renew their strength. It's going to get renewed, 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 renewed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm believing God to be like Moses. Moses, from his 40th year to his 80th year, waited on the Lord. He started at 80 years old. At 80 years old, most of the people in this room at 80 years old, you're going to be living in Florida. Moses was just getting started. When I was 40 years old, I turned 40 years old when we were in Bible school. I said one day, praying to the Lord, I said, why did you wait till I'm 40 years old? I would have loved to have done this 15 years ago. Why did you wait till I'm 40 years old? What are you complaining about? Moses was 80 years old. <laughs> just get started. What he accomplished in the last 40 years of his life was amazing. And it says, his strength did not fade, his eyes did not dim. As his days were, so was his strength. And that's everything that we can, we can confess. What does it mean to confess? To say the same as. Amen? Amen? We need to line ourselves up where we're saying the same as. Yeah, but... I, but... I, <laughs> we're not moved by what we feel or see, we're not moved by what we experience, we're moved by what we believe. Amen? Say, well, that sounds so cute. No, that's how we tap into the power that's on deposit. You can't go to the bank without some kind of a card, or, or if you're doing it old school, filling out a withdrawal slip. You go to say, uh, can I have my money? Who are you? Who are you? Well, you know me. I'm here every week. Well, I don't see any ID. I don't see any question. What do you do? You can't just go in there and, and take hold of it. It's on deposit. But there's something you do to trigger that. Yes or no? Yes. All right. So that's what we're talking about. So 
In the Word of God, there is right now, there's ready for you on hand, on deposit, for you to access power, strength, ability to meet the need that you may be facing right at this moment. Let me do a quick review here, and then we're going to jump into the rest of the material. So, we get hit with negative circumstances. It seems like they're waiting to pounce on us. And the enemy is always looking for the right moment for us to, 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 for, for us to spring a trap on us. Now, don't get discouraged when that happens. It's just life on planet Earth. Some people get so, oh, the devil attacked me. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> he don't want to be out of a job any more than you do. The devil is attacking me. Well, of course he's attacking. You got to worry when the devil doesn't attack you. Amen. If the devil's attacking you, it means he sees a target on your back. Okay, there's somehow or another, I don't know what it looks like when we get to heaven, we'll find out. There's somehow or another, there's an identifying seal. We know that it, the Holy Spirit seals us unto salvation. I, I believe that's a twofold thing. I don't believe it's just sealed like a Ziploc bag. Because people think, well, the Holy Ghost sealed me. The world's not going to touch me. Oh, honey, the world would beat you up. <laughs> but it's a seal. Amen. Now, in the ancient world, especially in Roman, they understood the significance of a seal. You remember when they sealed Jesus' tomb, they went and put a Roman seal on that thing that under penalty of death, you can't mess with that seal. That's the same idea. We're sealed by the Holy Ghost. And there's something about that seal in the spirit that must be visible and must be tangible because the enemy knows who to go after. I'll tell you a quick story, then we get back on with this, okay? Many years ago, when we lived in Seaside Park. Um, it was around July, maybe 4th of July. Well, my brother came down from up north to come and spend time with us. He took one of my aunts down here, uh, spent time with us. And so we're going to the beach. It's everybody's shooting fireworks at the beach. We go there. I got my Christian T-shirt on to identify me that, you know, I'm a Christian. But we're shooting fireworks. And at that time, fireworks were illegal in the state of New Jersey. Now, mind you now, from, from as far as the eye could see, there's people from where we were. We lived on 6th Avenue. There's people from the 6th Avenue uh, beach all the way up to the Seaside Heights boardwalk on the shore shooting fireworks. You look the other way from there all the way down the island beach, they're shooting fireworks. Who do you think the police came after? <laughs> Am I lying? Am I exaggerating? My son's crying. <laughs> Dad's going to jail. <laughs> I must have been the only believer on the beach that was shooting fireworks. Because it's like the devil went, here, that one, that one. That. No, not them, not them, not them. That one. Go after that one. But now watch us. That seal that identifies us in the spirit also, quali also qualifies us for the power that's on deposit. Not just anybody can tap into that. You got to be sealed. Amen? So we're talking about having power for that zero hour, that time of vital decision, that time when the attack is at, at, the, at the hottest, that time when you hit rock bottom, the time when it seems like nothing's going right, you're, you're done, you're spent, but God's got power. Amen. Again, I'll take you back to verse 29. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. 
even the youths, even the young people, even those that in the natural should have a lot of strength, they get to the point sometimes when they faint. Had a young man come here to preach one time. At that point, we were doing three services on a Sunday morning and one service on Saturday night. Young guy, late 20s, comes up to me afterwards and says to me, my God, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? How am I, do- I was already in my late 50s. This guy's in his early 20s. And the youth, and I, I, I should have brought up this scripture, and the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, we're not done yet. We're renewing our strength. We're renewing it. We're renewing it. We're recharging. We're, we're charging up. Amen? Amen? You know about the posture? I talked about that last week, that stance of us waiting expectantly on the Lord. Can't go into that review. We've got too much to cover. We talked about Joseph in the Old Testament, how he did not allow one attack after the other, after the other, after the other to wear him down. He stood fast. He continued. Come on. Waiting on the Lord, even though he he got sold into slavery by his brothers. Then he gets falsely accused of rape and gets thrown into prison. He He helps a guy out in prison. He forgets about him. But then one day, in just a short period of time, he went right from, he went from the prison to the palace. palace. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about Daniel tonight. You know Daniel the prophet in the Old Testament? When Daniel was told that the king commanded that no one was allowed to pray to any god except the king himself, Daniel was suddenly faced with the zero hour. What am I going to do now? Because Daniel is obligated to pray. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. But, Daniel, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. Say as usual. As usual. He, went down and he went and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Not in the basement. Not on the first floor where nobody could see. He went upstairs, opened up the blinds, opened up the drapes, opened up the windows, and started praying. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. You reading this? Yes. He went where? Upstairs as usual with, its open, with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then his officials went together. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Okay. Daniel was not shaken. See, you and I need to tap into that power that we're promised in Isaiah that we read before. And let's, let me tell you something. You know what the evidence is that we tapped into the power in the middle of that zero hour? We're not shaken. We're doing the same things we always did. We're not letting the devil try to, try to steer us and, well, you know, um, this is not a smart thing to do, Daniel. Go ahead and pray. But keep the drapes closed so you don't get in trouble. No, no, no. No. See, because Daniel saw too much already. He wasn't going to let this problem stop him. You cannot disrupt your normal lifestyle when you're going through these kind of things. Yeah. 
If you're tapping into the power of God, you don't interrupt your normal lifestyle. You keep carrying on. You keep, you keep pressing on. You keep believing God. You keep speaking the word of God because that's how you're tapping into the word of God. The word of God is not a fairy tale. I mean, I think some Christians just read the word like it's gone with the wind, like a novel. The word of God is power given unto us. And, and again, there's that seal that releases the power. Because like I was talking about this weekend in the services. I, I talked about how before I became a Christian, before I really gave my heart to Christ, I would try to read the Bible. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. But I remember the day or two after I received Christ as my Lord and Savior, I opened that book up and I'm like, oh my God, this, now this makes sense. Why? Because you've got the author living on the inside of you. It's a book of instruction. Man, don't miss out on the teaching this weekend, please, because I'm going to go into a lot of this about the plan. Say that with me. The plan. I'll just give you a little bit of an appetizer, okay? God has a dream, and every dream requires a plan. We're going to find out about the plan this weekend and how to work the plan. Because when you work the plan, then the dream comes true. Amen. You listening? Okay. So, you know the rest of the story. The other religious leaders who wanted Daniel dead, they were jealous of the relationship that he had. But really, they were jealous of the power that he walked in. They forced the king to stick to this order that anybody who would pray to any other god except to the king himself would be thrown into a lion's den. Facing that, Daniel still went home and prayed and did it in such a way that everybody would know. I'm not moved by these threats. I'm not going to change my style. I'm going to keep doing what I usually do. I'm going to honor God above all things that are intimidating or fearful. Verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king, here it is. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. See, when you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to change your usual patterns. You're going to stay up at night. You're going to cry. You're going to wail. You're going to try to make deals with God. You listening? Verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully. Man, what a witness Daniel was. Even the king, even this pagan king knew this guy serves his God faithfully. Was he able to rescue you from the lions? And then he's listening. Probably half expecting not to hear anything. Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. Amen. Daniel came out victorious. I'm telling you. He never allowed his faith to weaken, even in the midst of that zero hour. That's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do to keep business as usual. It's a tough thing, tough thing to do to keep your confession right. It's a tough thing to do to keep doing what you normally would do when all hell's breaking loose. 
You listening? Now, Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the faith chapter, or the, uh, what do you call that? The hall of faith, okay? Says this, verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. How'd they do it? Now, you have faith? Yes. They had faith? Yes. You think you have less faith than they had? No. Same faith? Yes. Same God? Yes. Same word? Yes. Same Holy Ghost? Yes. So let me ask you a question. If they have faith to overthrow, do you have faith to overthrow? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Here it is. They shut the mouths of lions. Verse 34, quench the flames of fire and escape death by the edge of the sword. Their, weaknesses, their weakness was turned to strength. Their weakness was turned to strength. Their weakness was turned to his strength. Amen? They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. So, let's continue. Let's talk about David. I like this one especially. David versus Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. What are we talking about? We're talking about tapping in to the power of God during times of extreme crisis, extreme challenge, extreme hardship. Amen? Amen. When you're facing the worst enemy that you could possibly face, okay, there's power on reserve, on deposit, on demand. 1 Samuel 17, 32. You guys know the story, right? Okay, the armies of Israel are camped on, one, on, one, on the side of one mountain, then there's a valley, and on the other side of the mountain are all the Philistines. And for 40 days, this giant has been coming out taunting, teasing, ridiculing, mocking the armies of God, the army of Israel. In verse 32, we see David has shown up on the scene. He comes right at the right time. His father sent them because his brothers are there. His three older brothers, at least his three older brothers that I remember, were there fighting in the battle. His father said, here, take all these supplies to your brothers. David gets there just in time for the afternoon show. Here comes Goliath, cursing the Israelites, cursing Saul, mocking them, ridiculing them. You listening? So David says... Pretty much I'm paraphrasing it, but David goes, is anybody going to do anything about this guy? What are you all doing standing here? Well, he's defying our God. Verse 32. So, somebody hears about David, what he's saying, and they take him to Saul, which is funny that they have to take him to Saul because Saul, the king, should be the one on the front lines. Saul, the king, is in the back, biting his nails. Why? Because he hasn't tapped into that power that's on demand. In fact, up until this point, he's lived a life so devoid of the presence of God, he wouldn't even recognize it. Don't get into that position. Amen? Amen. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. What's going on here? Saul is looking at the natural circumstance. You getting this? Uh, That's a tactic. That's something that you're going to have to learn how to do. Not look at the natural circumstances. Now, and let me tell you something. If you, if you ask God, he'll help you. I was in a service, oh my gosh, 28, 30 years ago. Midweek service. And for some reason, during the worship, uh, it was me and there was a, a young man, a friend of ours, friend of the family that was there. And uh, we both had gone to service that night together. And I don't know what came over the two of us. After worship, we sat down. You know how that quiet time after worship, everybody sits down. And uh, we're sitting like in a section over here inside that church, not here, on the other side of town. And all of a sudden, I start laughing out of nowhere. Nothing was funny in the natural. I start, you ever get one of those, <laughs> you can't stop it? And then the other guy next to me, he starts laughing the same way. People are turning around, you know, because God forbid if you laugh in church, you know. But then I realized, oh, this isn't, this is a spiritual thing. This isn't a natural thing. And so, I don't know, we went on for a couple of minutes and then we both gained control of ourselves. But I realized that something, something's coming. You see, because God prepares us. Did you hear that? God prepared. He didn't wait till there was a flood coming to tell Noah to build the ark. He prepares us. So up until that point, because this was in a time when we were, we were in bankruptcy. Everything's falling apart. Losing houses. Losing cars. Losing the business. So people around me that knew what was going on, they must have said, poor Joe. He's having a breakdown. He's laughing. Okay. Service was nice, went home. The other young man went to his house. I went to my house, wife's home with the kids, and went on, you know, went to bed, got up the next morning. The mail comes, and it's a letter from the IRS. You remember this day, don't you? <laughs> I opened up that letter, and I'm reading it, and I start laughing, because now I'm realizing this is why the Lord prepared me last night with that kind of joy so that this would not knock me off my feet. And I looked at it, read it, and I went, get in line with everybody else. (laughs) You can't allow the attacks to shake you no matter how big the giant looks. Now, let me tell you something else. A year before, we got similar letters. And I'd stay up all night worrying where am I going to bring my wife and my four kids? We, get, we would get letters from the uh, sheriff's department. Your house is going into foreclosure. The sheriff's, the sheriff's sale is going to take place in such and such a day. Okay? We had a, a gentleman minister that lived downstairs from You remember David Sellers? You remember David. That lived downstairs from us. We let him live in our house for free. What am I going to charge him for? I'm not paying the mortgage. How do I charge him? So I said, Come stay. Just, you know, we'll take care of the utilities and we'll, we'll split it between us or whatever we did. So I said, David, come up. This affects you as much as it affects us. Because if we got to leave the house, 
You've got to leave the house. I'm not, I stand before you. My wife is here. That happened at least six times that we took the letter from the sheriff's department. Now, the first one or two kind of shook you a little bit. But then when you see God, this is why it's so important to develop a track record with God. When you see God come through for you, when in the natural, it makes total, no, no sense whatsoever. So he, my wife, this guy David, we'd get together, we'd lay our hands on that, on that foreclosure notice or the sheriff's sale, and we'd say, Father, in the name of Jesus, if it's, if it's time for us to go, then you're going to provide our needs. If it's not, then we're going to stay here until things are better for us financially. Six times that happened. We stayed in a house without paying a mortgage for over four years. You say, well, you're a scoundrel. No, no, we didn't have five cents to rub together, two nickels to rub together. God knew. So see, God's going to provide for you. You say, well, why didn't God just send you a, a box of money? He's not a counterfeiter. But he provided, he gave us assistance. We were able to stay in that house until we started another business and until we got on our feet enough to be able to go pay rent someplace else. We stayed in that house until it was God's time for us to go. But listen to me. I know there's some people in this room that have faced some of the same kind of things. And that giant man looks so tall until you put him next to God. Are you listening to me? Because I'm throwing out some good stuff here tonight. Watch now. Saul, Saul is obsessed with the natural. How do we know that? Because he's hiding in the back of the camp. He's single-eyed. He's like, homie, don't play that game. He's hiding in the back. Why? We know why. Because he's looking at everything in the natural. He's not tapping into the power that's on demand. He said, you're not able to do this. David, verse 34, David said to Saul, now here's a young kid talking to the king who should be inspiring him. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Hmm. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. He chased after it. It's one thing to be standing there between the lion and the sheep. No, he, no, he goes after the lion after the lion has the sheep and pulls it out of his mouth. I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this, this what? Now, now, I want you to say that word for a reason. And some of you know where I'm going with this. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Like one of what? The bear and the lion. I'm going to kill this guy. Okay? And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has what? Defied, Defied the armies of the living God. Next verse. Moreover, David said, now, this is an important principle here. I want you to listen closely because we're going to go back to that other verse in a minute. Moreover, David did what? Seven. David what? Seven. David what? Seven. Come on, David what? Seven. Said. Not thought. David what? Seven. Said. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion 
and from the paw of the bear, he, the Lord, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Go back. Now, give me one more verse. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, judging by Saul's character, Saul went, this kid's done. <laughs> go ahead, go. But watch this now. Do we have more? Uh, yes. All right, keep going. But then I'm going to want you to go back to verse 35, I think it is. Keep going forward. <laughs> David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. What is it? Natural obsessed Saul is trying to put Saul's armor on David. If I was David, I would have said, if your armor has got you hiding out in the back of the camp, I don't want it either. (laughs) He goes, he's trying to be polite. I cannot walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, and what did he do? Come on. Is that it? Come on. Uh, You know what? Let me just read it from here. Where are we? Verse 40? I forget it. Verse 45. So, David says to Saul, I got some experience here. When I used to work for my father, taking care of the sheep, and a lion came out or a bear came out, I killed him. He said, this giant's going to be the same way. He's going to end up the same way. Okay? He obliges Saul, who's, Saul is completely caught up in the flesh, completely caught up in the natural, and trying to, trying to solve a spiritual problem with natural means. You can't do that. The armor never works. The natural armor never works. It's the spiritual armor that works. But watch this now. Before we even get to verse 45, I want you to go back to verse 35. No, verse, yeah, verse 35. I went out after it struck and delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck and killed. Verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised, say that again, Philistine will be like one of them, seeing has defied the armies of the living God. That is extremely important because this is where the battle was won. So what are you talking about, Pastor? David recognized that he was in covenant with God Almighty. And he also acknowledged and wanted to press the point that this giant, no matter how big he is, no matter what armor he's got, no matter how many weapons he carries, is uncircumcised. That means he is not in covenant with God Almighty. No matter how tall he is, no matter how many swords, no matter how many shields, no matter how many soldiers he's got behind him, this guy is not in covenant with God. We're in covenant with God. Now listen, listen, this is important. Watch. Who is he saying this to? Saul, who forgot that he was in covenant with God. Why is that important? Because when you're in covenant with God, all of God's strength, power, and might becomes yours. 
it gets better when you're in covenant with God or your weakness, inability, and fear gets swallowed up by him. Why? Because when you're in covenant partner with someone, all of their assets completely neutralize all of your liabilities. David was not going in his strength. David was going in the strength of the Lord God Almighty who he was in covenant with. The Lord God Almighty who said, he who touches you touches me. The Lord God Almighty who said, you are the apple of my eye. Let me ask you a question. When somebody tries to poke you in the eye, what does your eye immediately do? You are the apple of his eye. He protects you. As soon as something tries to come to you, he protects you. Why? Because we're in covenant with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what natural circumstance comes against you, no matter what enemy comes against you, it's, they're not in covenant with God. Pastor, aren't you concerned about the economy? I'm concerned for the world. I don't want to see people suffer. I'm concerned for children who might go hungry. I'm concerned that people may lose their jobs. I'm concerned that people might have to have four jobs in order to make ends meet. I'm concerned about that. But I'm not concerned about here. I'm not concerned about us. Why? We're in covenant with God. Our economy does not match. Are you listening to me? God has resources. Just like you said, to those who don't have any money, I'm going to increase strength. You could substitute this. Tell those who don't have any money, I'll bring it to you somehow. I'll get it. You could tell some people in here don't have needs that they had years ago. It's the same principle. He brings streams out of the desert. Are you getting this? No, because listen to me. Uh, there's a danger here. Uh, there's a danger. And I think I mentioned this last week. Uh, I, I wish some Christians would get mad. I wish some Christians would get mad. I really just, we're just tolerating too much. Tolerating too much. Letting the devil get away with everything. Well, it's the government. No, it ain't the government. It's the devil. Yeah, you got a government that thinks he doesn't exist. And then there's some that know too well that he exists. Okay? But where's the church? Why aren't we tapping into the power of God? Why aren't we doing what David did? David ran to the giant. David didn't go, well, if he comes at me, I'll hit him back. <laughs> Shoo, Mr. Giant. <laughs> but now watch this now. Two major things you're going to learn here from David's fight with Goliath. Number one. When you're in covenant with God, you don't fear anything or anyone. Because the one who's backing you up has unlimited resources. Unlimited. Say unlimited. unlimited. Turn to somebody say, don't worry about anything. Worry about unlimited. unlimited. Now watch this now. David did not win the battle when he hit, when he hit Goliath in the head with the stone. David won the battle when he began to proclaim the way I killed the lion and the bear, I'm going to kill this guy too. You, uh, uh, let's go through the rest of it. Come on. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, the one who's not in covenant with God, the one who has no legal standing with God, this is what David said. 
You come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin. See, he wasn't denying the circumstance. You come to me with, with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Oh, my gosh. We would speak these words. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of heaven, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Here, here it comes. Here comes the tipping of the battle. This day, not tomorrow, not next week, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Now, watch this now. That's bold for somebody who's only got a few stones in his hand. That's bold for somebody who doesn't have a sword in his hand. I'm going to take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. In other words, when I get done with you, I'm going after them. I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, in other words, their dead corpses, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that the, all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Your battle is way bigger than what you think it is. And you're, you're winning that battle is way more important than you think it is. Well, I guess we'll just, you know, the devil won this time. No. When I was in business years ago, if we had a bad day, I would tell the devil, you think you got away with it? Every time you make my business suffer, I'm going to get more people saved tomorrow. <laughs> Next day, anybody that came in. I remember one time, for those of you who don't know, I used to be in the, in the deli restaurant business here in town. I'll never forget one day, there was a lady walked in like five after nine, as soon as I opened the door, walking in like this, like a crazy person. Oh, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. So when I got closer, this is what she was saying. Oh, it's hard being a Christian. Oh, it's hard being a Christian. Oh, it's hard being a Christian. Listen to me. At nine o'clock in the morning, I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> it was like perfect timing. As she's coming around the corner, uh, she's going this way. I'm going to meet her. And she comes around the corner. I put, there's nobody around. Put my hand on her head. I said, come out in the name of Jesus. Ooh. Thank you. And walks out the door. <laughs> Every once in a while, in the middle of, these, middle of these sermons, the Lord will remind me something from years, decades ago. Thank you. Walks out the door. Now, I could have listened to that garbage and I would have went, it's hard being a Christian. It's hard being a Christian. Can't pay my bills. Losing my business. Losing my house. Can't listen to that garbage. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts. David received strength for his zero hour by doing the following. He reminded himself of what God had done in the past. There's power in remembrance. When I got that letter from the IRS, not the first letter, probably the fifth letter, I could laugh about it. Why? Because I remember what God had done the year before when the other IRS letters start showing, you know, the messages of Satan. 
started showing up, reminding you. Going to take your house. Going to garnish your salary. By that point, they would have had a lot of company. There's a lot of people looking to take my salary. <laughs> take my house. Take my cars. And they can take it all, but they can't take Jesus. Amen. I hope you get... No, 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 you don't understand. You know, because let's be honest with each other here, okay? And what I'm about to say is not meant to, like, throw a bucket of cold water on the crowd here. But listen to me. We got tough times ahead of us. Between now and the time the trumpet sounds, we're going to see some tough things. We're going to see some tough things. Some of us may get a little close to it. But I believe that if we'll remind God of what he did in the past, if we'll take strength from that. You listening to me? If we recognize that we are in covenant with God Almighty, but watch this now. The most important thing he did was to speak the outcome of the battle before the battle starts. Before you, listen to me, you got to speak before the battle starts. In the heat of the battle, you might slip. In the heat of the battle, you might start looking at the natural too much, and it will affect your heart. But if you start speaking, what's going to happen? Before? Listen to me. Man, where did the time go? Nothing changes until somebody speaks. I'll prove it to you. You're born on the way to hell. The only thing that could change that is what you spoke. What are you talking about, Pastor? You spoke. You said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he went to the cross and died for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead. I believe I'm a child of God now because of my faith in Jesus Christ. What happened? What happened? You changed your eternal destination. How? By doing good things? Did you build a church and put your name on it? Did you, did you, go, did you sell everything you have and give it to the poor? You did what? Spoke. Nothing changes until somebody speaks. Genesis chapter, let's see. Nah, all right, let's just go right over to, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Greatest example. I know somebody's going to go, oh, here he goes, Mark chapter 5. I know this, I've heard this a million times. Well, there's a million and one. Watch this now. Because this, let me tell you, if you get this in you, if you, this will cause you to tap, literally tap into major power from God. Watch the mechanics of what happens here. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, hemorrhage, hemorrhage, a hemorrhage for 12 years. I don't want to get graphic here, but ladies, think about how you feel when that, and that's only for a few days, right? Was that not nice to say? <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to forget this teaching tonight. Watch this now. Right, now, she's got a hemorrhage for 12, 12 years. 12 years, this poor lady is suffering, weak, pale, no strength, constant cramps. 12 years. 
And, su- and if that wasn't bad enough, and suffered many things from many physicians. On top, of, on top of the physical sickness, she's probably gone to every quack all over the place. And this one's saying, well, take zinc. The other one's saying, don't take zinc. The other one's saying, eat cabbage. The other one's saying, eat beets. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Suffered many things from the physicians. She had, and watch this now. Now, here's the salt in the wound. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This woman's in bad shape. Now, watch this now. Next verse. Read nice and loud the yellow letters. One, two, three. When she... Uh, stop. Do this. When she... Let's do it again. One, two, three. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the, gar- in the crowd and touched his garment. Next verse. For she said, nice and loud, one, two, three, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Watch what happens. Immediately, the fountain or the source of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, what'd she do? She tapped into the power that was where? On demand. I'm going to say it again. She tapped into the power that was where? On demand. So the power was always there, right? Jesus didn't stand there and charge up. The power was already there. Yes or no? He turns around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, if you read the beginning of this, it says in there, there was a great, not a multitude, a great multitude. The people were all around him, okay? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? In other words, you're going, is he losing it? (laughs) Everybody and their uncle from this town and all the towns around are here. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. He knew somebody touched me in a different way. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now watch this now. This gets lost in our Western culture. Because according to the law of Moses in the Old Testament, a woman who had that kind of condition of hemorrhage, it was illegal for her to go out into public. So imagine this. Not only has she suffered for 12 years physically, she went to every quack that couldn't help her. She's lost all her money. Now she's been isolated for God only knows how long because she can't come out of the house. But she heard about Jesus. What did she hear about? She must have heard about how he raised the dead, how he healed the lepers, how he he opened up blind eyes, how he opened up deaf ears. She heard all those things, and then she came to a conclusion because it says, and she said to herself, if I could just get there, and in the original, it's, if I could get there and touch the, the tzitzim, the hem of his garment, the little strings on the bottom of what Jesus would have wore. She, she said to her, if I could just touch those strings, I know I'll be made whole. I'll be healed. What'd she do? She did it. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. What, uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. He said, daughter, my power made you well. Daughter, I made you well. Daughter... 
The money you gave at church made you well. Daughter, the prayers that you prayed, the candles that you lit, the rosaries that you said. What did he say? Say it nice and loud. What did he say? Whose faith? Do you have faith? So how are you going to tap into the power that you need in your zero hour? By faith. But what do you, how do you release faith? She heard, and then she spoke. Let's do it again. She heard, and then she spoke. Now, you remember what I said? Nothing changes until somebody speaks. Now, watch this now. We can only imagine for how many years she spoke. But she probably sounded something like this. I have nobody to take care of me. Nobody cares for me. I can't believe how God has abandoned me. I'm here in this condition. I don't have any money left. I've been completely taken advantage of by these doctors. Nobody cares for me. I'm just going to go in the bedroom and just turn my face to the wall and die. God only knows how many years she spoke like that. Watch this now. In all those years, nothing changed. Be careful what you keep saying. Be careful the words that come out of your mouth. But pastor, you don't know what it's like to live in my house. You don't know what it's like to raise my kids. You don't, you don't know what it's like to go on my job. You don't get, I'm not denying that the challenge is there. But it's not going to change until you start speaking what you want to see, not what you see. Saul saw a young kid that was going to get slaughtered. David saw a giant who couldn't stand, he didn't have a chance. For David to make the declaration, this day I'm going to take your head off, was an amazing confession of faith because David did not own a sword. When he knocked Goliath down, it wasn't the stone that killed him. The stone got his attention and knocked him down. David ran over and took his sword and cut his, his head off. You imagine the humiliation? He got his head cut off by his own weapon. Jesus did the same thing to Satan. Through death, he destroyed death. You listening? You've got to declare the outcome ahead of time. You've got to declare the outcome ahead of time. We might be going through stuff right now, but you need to declare the outcome ahead of time. Because faith is released through words and actions. She said, if I can go, if I could just touch a hem of his garment, I'll be healed. But she didn't stay in her house. She didn't continue walking around the living room. If I could just touch a hem of his garment, I'll be healed. If I could just touch a hem of his garment, I'll be healed. No, she had to go to where the hem of the garment was. There's people that stayed home tonight. They got a little headache. Got a little headache. You see, what we don't understand is if the devil can take you out with a little headache, then you don't stand a chance. You'll have a headache every time you got to do something. I remember years ago there was a family that were missing for weeks. 
What's going on? Well, every time we get in the car, you know, our kids start arguing, so we turn around and went home. Don't you realize now, the devil, you just told him what to do to make you to turn around and go home and not go to church. What's coming out of your mouth? What movie was that? Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? What was it? Rush out? You need to say that to the devil. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. And then he said to Goliath, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Today, not tomorrow, not next week, today, I'm going to take your head off. And when I'm done taking your head off, I'm going after the army that's behind you. What are you doing when you're faced with a battle? Are you tapping into the power of God? Are you, ta- are, you, are you waiting on the Lord or are you sitting in a fetal position, laying in a fetal position someplace? <laughs> Life is just too tough. Get up. Start waiting on God. Start declaring who he is. Start declaring what he said you have. Start declaring what's going to happen to your enemy. I could tell you stories. You see, it may take some time, but things turn around. I mentioned something at my father's memorial, one of the most important things he ever said to me. It was right during the time that we were going into bankruptcy, and literally I was standing in the kitchen of my restaurant packing stuff up. Everything else was going to get seized. At that time, they allowed you to keep $7,000 worth of equipment, so like seed for the next business that you want to start. So I'm packing that away. My dad shows up. And my father wasn't really much for encouraging (laughs) in his younger years. But he said something to me. I won't say it to an Italian, but he said it to me in Italian. He said, the wheel keeps turning. Right now, you're over here. La rota gira. The wheel is going to turn. And said, sooner or later, you're going to come back up again. Listen to me. I'm here to preach to you the word of the Lord, not the word of Carmine. (laughs) But it lines up with the word of God. For they who wait upon the Lord. Now, you might be waiting upon the Lord at the bottom of the wheel. But sooner or later, he's going to renew your strength. Sooner or later, you're going to find strength that you didn't know you had. Sooner or later, doors are going to open. Sooner or later, a solution is going to show up. Sooner or later. But what will you be found doing when the wheel comes to the top again. Will you be found praising God? Will you be found giving thanks to God? Or will you be found belly aching and not even realize the wheel turned? You listening to me? We got to go. Did you get anything tonight? You listening to me? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You're going to rise up like an eagle. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not faint. You're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and you're going to overcome. Amen. Amen? God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on.